You're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle with Mela Borowski. Thoughts from a Southern Witch. Should have studied witchcraft. Should have learned to ride a broom. So me and my black cat could fly through the skies underneath the moon. I'm Mella, the Southern Belle in Bell Book and Candle. This episode features our guest, nature communicator, Maddie Cossum. She holds degrees in comparative religion and Judaic studies and was initiated into Tibetan Buddhism's mystical Shangpa Kagyu tradition. She's also studied with Canadian trance medium Tola Haynes, Hawaiian kahuna Morna Simeona, and British angelologist Angela McGear. In 2013, Maddie was visited by a red-tailed hawk, raccoon, raven, squirrel, and tree who each spoke to her spontaneously. It was as if beings of the wild were all conscious and inviting her into their conversations. Maddie found the offer irresistible. Following a series of lessons with the hawk, pristine purity of essence, she trained with Maya Kincaid at the Sedona International School of Animal and Nature Communication. Maddie believes anyone can do this activity and has coined the phrase heart telepathy to describe this way of communicating with nature's creations. She tells her students, if you have a heart, you can do it. I'm so excited to have you here with us, Maddie. Thank you. Thank you, Mella, for inviting me on as a guest. I'm so excited to be here and a big hello to the listening participants. It's great to be here. So your bio mentions that your mystical experiences begin at age five. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's true. At age five, I was awakened in the night by a pair of angels who were at the foot of my bed, and they were having a conversation, and it was about me, so I was interested. But the funny thing was, I did hear a little bit of what they were saying in that I retained some of that conversation throughout my lifetime. They were discussing my life path, and one of them was saying, I don't know if she'll get there, really, if she'll make it. And what I was focused on was, how did these angels get into my room? Mm. My room had windows, and I decided at that moment they must have come in the windows. And I knew it was curious that I blanked out every night when I went to sleep and I wondered where I went. So I decided if they could come in the windows, I probably went out the windows. And I created a prayer for myself. And for as long as I can remember, I recited that prayer every night before I went to sleep. And I was five, so I probably continued until age seven or eight or something and then dropped it off. I don't remember the prayer, but I remember the last line was, and I want to come back. (laughs) (laughs) That was very smart as a five-year-old. Yeah, thanks. And then the next time I saw angels, I didn't really give it much thought until my 20s when I was living with an intentional community of herbalists, and there was a meditation room in the house, and I was encouraged to meditate. I had been exposed to yoga a little bit, hadn't fully explored it yet, and hadn't taken initiation into Tibetan Buddhism yet. And so I was curious about the meditation room, and I was invited to try. 
And when I said, well, I don't know how to meditate, someone said, oh, it's really easy, sister, just sit. <laughs> so that was my introduction to meditation, just sit, which probably covers it all, Eastern and Western <laughs> traditions. And one night, the herbal community needed two volunteers to go into the store overnight and clean out all the containers and refill them with our fresh herbs, the dried herbs. So I volunteered, and in the middle of the night, the fellow who had driven the Jeep and who was really in charge of this task said, let's take a break. And one of the things we did was we sat and meditated. And the herbal store, which was called Golden Bough Herbs and was near the water in Vancouver, Canada, it was a converted house with a beautiful old fireplace with photographs of many different masters above the fireplace and candles that were allowed to just burn straight onto the mantel. And he lit the candles and we sat and an angel appeared. I knew afterwards, I didn't know at the time, it was the angel of death, and the angel of death put out an arm, and to its arm rose each of the cats I had had as my pets during my lifetime up until then. And as each cat rose to the angel's arm, I was told the life path that it had served when it was living. And then its purpose that it had chosen to fulfill next on the other side. And after the meditation, we both got up and the fellow said, so how was your meditation? I'm like, oh, I love this. This is amazing. An angel appeared and he told me this and that. And I saw my cats and I was told this and that. And he said, oh, I've been meditating for a long time and I've never seen an angel. Hmm. So his path was in a different direction and he was a great being going with his flow and doing good work where he went as a healer. And for me, the angels have popped up at these times, but looking back now, oh, I'm so old before I figured it out. I <laughs> honestly went through nature showing up in these different ways for decades before I connected the dots. And now I have learned that these were the animals finding a way to reach me. And trees have found a way to reach me. Boulders have found a way to reach me. And the fact that the second time I saw an angel, the narrative was about my deceased cats. That was a clue that my path is deeply connected to nature, the plant beings, and the animal beings. That is amazing. I had a recent guest on the podcast who was an animal communicator. What do you see as the difference in what you do as a nature communicator and what someone who just calls themselves an animal communicator? There's really no difference in terms of technique. The difference is who we choose to communicate with and tune into. Animals are generally with people who can pay us. <laughs> it's a little more complicated to get paid communicating with trees or water or snow. Mm -hmm. But it's really the same technique. And one of the things I've learned in doing this work is that all of nature is conscious and available to us. So when I did finally become interested in learning technique and becoming an animal communicator or nature communicator, as you mentioned in the intro, when the red-tailed hawk, pristine purity of essence showed up, 
that was an animal of the wild. So because that's how my invitation to do this work arrived to me and through the deceased animals who've been pets in my life, this was how nature reached out to call me in to do this work. So I've always been very invested in connecting with nature beyond pets and domestic livestock. And can you actually see through the eyes of animals at times? Yeah, they do that. The animals meet us halfway. We make ourselves available and they actually do a lot of the work. A tree wanting to teach you something or have a conversation will do a lot of the work. When I saw through the eyes of the hawk, that was actually Pristine Purity's partner. And I hadn't developed a relationship with him and I didn't expect it. It was unexpected and that's how I know it was something he created. They actually invited me to their nest at one point. So I was at their nest, which they had built just below the top roof of a concrete apartment building. This was in Toronto, Ontario. So I was living in a boutique condo in an area called the Upper Beaches in Toronto. And that's where Pristine Purity found me. I was in a hard loft with one wall of windows and she was coming and witnessing me through the windows and I was witnessing her and eventually I asked her if she wanted to increase the communication and that's when everything changed to more like Walt Disney movie time. Wow. And when I had my series of lessons with her, one of them was she took me in my light body with her talons to the nest and I saw that they had built it underneath the roof in a ledge that was at a very high apartment building, like a tower. And just below the roof was a ledge where they had built a huge nest and all three of them fit in. So it was pristine purity and her partner and their juvenile. So the juvenile was in the nest and I thought, oh, I better not put my light body in the nest. I'll just hang out on the other side. And I felt so honored to be having this extraordinary experience while I was conscious and awake. So the partner, the male, just did it. Whatever they can do, the birds can do this and maybe other animals can do it. All of a sudden, I was seeing through his eyes and I saw that the airwaves are colored for him and that he interprets that information for the family to create information, whether they use it to decide where to get food or where to fly or when to fly. The air shows up as many currents that are all color-coded, and he interprets that for flight direction and flight decisions for the family. And when I was in training with Maya Kincaid, after that, I did seek training with a professional animal communicator. And as you mentioned, I trained with Maya Kincaid, who's based in Sedona, Arizona. And in one of those lessons, we were told to connect to a mystery being. I didn't know who it was. And all of a sudden, I was seeing through its eyes and I was flying and it was scary. It was a bit like those 360-degree IMAX films where you really hold onto the side of the seat because everything is so big and fast and completely around you. So it was like I was in that IMAX film and the grasses around were really high and we were going very fast. 
Afterwards, when I reported this to the group, Maya said, well, we were communicating with a wild bee. Mm. The bee had chosen to show me through his eyes to give me that experience. There were a number of people in training with Maya who would report similar things. One of the students called them flybys, where you're taken along on a ride with the animal you're speaking with. And the nice thing about that is it's just great validation that they are so much a part of the ability we have. They are doing so much of the work. They are such strong participants. They are so invested in this and involved. And I have not explored what that means in terms of consciousness, in terms of who are these beings that we so easily call animals anyway you saw through the eyes of a blue jay as well. What did you see through a blue jay? That was much more recent. I was giving a student her final lesson and we took a walk where I was staying at the time in the province of Quebec, Canada. And we took a walk down a beautiful laneway with horse farmettes. And while the student was talking to the horses as part of her lesson, I noticed a blue jay. I look for nice conversation openers, so I happen to say as my conversation opener with the Blue Jay, Hi there, do you know that we think of you as sort of a cross between crows and songbirds, like you mimic other birds and you push away other birds from feeding stations a bit like a crow, and yet you look like a songbird to us? The Blue Jay said, I am present because I am. I am who I am, and why do you humans always need to define us and explain us? I am here because I have a place. And then he took me up above some urban center and showed me through his eyes that in any very crowded urban area, many of the people who look to us as being very 3D and full and truly human resembled more shadow people. Many of them were shown to me in black and white, and a few people showed up in color with defined three-dimensional bodies. I'm not sure what it means. I mean, I have spent some time interpreting it, and I've got my interpretation, which may not be the right one. It was a mystical moment, a sacred moment of seeing through the eyes of the Blue Jay. But the message that he delivered to me through that was that some people no longer have a place here. Some people's timelines end around now, and some people's timelines are destined to continue and not to be worried about the different events that come up to make this happen, because it is as it should be. And so I'm sort of looking around at the pandemic event mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and saying, oh, okay, well, thank you, Blue Jay, for your wisdom. I'll just hold space for that and see what happens. That's also a match for the past life regression person who talks about shadow people. I mean, there are other people who have talked about shadow people among us and that those of us who are here, we're here for different reasons. We come in in different soul groups. Our timelines might vary. 
when you talk to animals of the wild or boulders or trees or water, these sorts of things that are nature in the wild, it does easily go into a very sacred space. And I have had the same thing with pets. I'm not always just talking about what's your favorite toy. <laughs> it can get pretty sacred, especially because I like to do ceremony for animals in trauma. And again, that's taken me into some sacred spaces, even with the animals that live with us domestically and that we call pets. So you do communicate with deceased animals, correct? I do. I haven't had a lot of experience with that. I've had some. I mostly am called in when an animal is about to transition, and I'm often with them through the transition. And because of lost and missing pets, I am sometimes with them when they're trying to let their person know they have transitioned. When I speak with a pet who has transitioned and they've been gone a very long time, I'm actually never sure if I'm talking to the signature of that animal or if the animal is still there hanging out with the person. I would love to hear the story about Magic the Crow. Can you tell us about that experience? That is one of the more dramatic experiences I've had. Crows are a wild animal, so it seems like that's a lot of the work that shows up for me. Back to your earlier question about the difference between nature communicators and animal communicators, those of us who've been invited into this work, who've had a calling to it, probably our specialty shows up for us. And if someone's specialty is pets, then that's probably what will show up a lot. It actually started in the morning with a whole lot of crows on my front lawn. By this time, I had left that condo in Toronto after Pristine Purity and other animals had shown up and I'd had my Walt Disney moments. I decided to leave the city and live more deeply in nature. So I was living on an island in northern Ontario called Manitoulin Island in Georgian Bay. And it's pretty remote, but there is population there. There are other humans around. I had a house in town, so I wasn't living remotely in a remote location. And on my front lawn that morning, there were a lot of crows. And so I'm like, oh, hello, you must have some fabulous grubs or something under my grass because I don't usually see you. <laughs> and I took my dog for a walk and it was great. And the next day I looked out the window and they were gone. But I took my dog for a walk and those same crows were a few doors away at a neighbor's lawn. I'm like, oh, hi, you're starting with the grubs over here. Good for you. All of a sudden, a large piece of wood landed at my feet and I looked up and there was a raven on top of a tall tree. Ravens like to be high up. I had had a pair of ravens hanging out in my backyard. I loved them very much, and I didn't know if it was because I'm a communicator or because my yard was one of the few that happened to have very tall trees, and that's something they like. So a combination of things. I was used to these ravens. I wasn't used to a big piece of wood just missing my head and falling at my feet, <laughs> yeah. but I tried to be gracious. So I picked it up and I looked up and saw the raven and said, oh, thank you for the gift. But I didn't really think it was a gift. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'll take it home. The raven started to caw really loudly. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll meditate on what I'm to do with it. And it went, 
you will know, you will know. Mm. So I'm like, I will know. Then I thought, well, maybe there is something to this. So I took it home and I put it in a safe place. And then I opened my laptop and started my day and started checking things online. And I checked Facebook and there was a message for me from someone in Florida. And she said, are you Maddie, the nature communicator who knows these friends of mine because I have an injured crow and my friends have suggested I contact you? And I'm like, yeah, I know your friends. They're my friends. Yeah, I'll help you with the crow. So she told me the story of this crow who had arrived in her backyard in Florida injured and she was taking such good care of him. So I offered to do a communication right there because he was sick, he had an injured wing. Florida has really good weather and she had put a dog crate upside down on the grass so he could be outdoors and walk around and be safe. When she brought him indoors, I think she said she kept him in her bedroom because she had a lot of other pets, dogs and cats, and she wanted them to stay away from magic. That was what she named her crow. And over the months, I did a number of consultations. I never charged Christy. It was just understood. We were both invested in the crow. We were both giving a lot of ourselves to the crow, and she much more than me. She was an incredible caregiver to this crow. And the entire year that I was supporting Magic, the ravens dropped gifts on my property. I have crystals, I have shells that came from the west side of the island, I have very special fossils that are only found on the west side of the island, and by west side I mean a two-hour drive by car from where I live. Wow. They would bring these things, I don't know how they knew they were special, and how they knew that those would be appropriate gifts. Shells would arrive completely intact, and I never saw any shells on the beaches near me. These things were carried and delivered to me as gifts. One year later, Magic did become very sick. The injured area started to get very inflamed, and Christy had to decide whether to let Magic transition there in her arms or to look for a wildlife rescue. So she did finally find a rescue in Florida that was willing to take crows and had several crows and she drove him there and they promised that they would do surgery on him. So she handed him over and then she got a call that no, when we looked at it, it was too bad. So he's been put down. She really regretted handing him over. She had been promised that he would have surgery in the very least and that if he came through it, he would be in the big, beautiful outdoor containment area with the other crows to recover, letting him live out the rest of his days there. For your listeners, if you go to my website, maddie.ca, M-A-D-I-I.ca, if you go there and you scroll down, you'll see there's an eight-minute promo video called Talk to the Animals, where I explain my journey and animal communication. If you scroll right to the end and listen to the outtake, it's beautiful music and photographs of some of the animals I've communicated with. There's a beautiful close-up 
of magic just resting on Christie's chest near her shoulder. She would take him outside with no cage, nothing. They would just be together. She would go to the creek on her property and sit on a bench, and he would just hang there on her body, and she would sing to him and talk to him, and he would sing to her and talk to her, and they hung out together for that entire year. She would send me videos of these magical moments and her cats learned that that was part of the family and they never bothered him. There are videos and photos of the cats sitting right there on the bench and magic sitting there at her shoulder and whispering into her ear and them (laughs) sending love messages to each other. And it's a really beautiful validation of how animal communication and nature communication and this kind, even though she couldn't speak to him at the level I could, She was doing something else equally important and just as sacred. This is what is going to be the game changer for the planet going forward. If I think about the message from the Blue Jay, my takeaway is that as we connect more deeply with nature and realize how vibrant and alive and conscious she is, that we become improved and the planet becomes improved and all of nature becomes improved. And this is a co-creative way we're going to have to live going into the future. I feel like connecting to the place where you live and really the whole world. But right now I focus on the land that I live. I think that's really important for witches and for anyone. And I've connected to the water under my land, the trees, the plants, the animals. But some people struggle with this. Can you give any tips for someone to connect with nature around them? That's a challenge. Thanks for that challenge. (laughs) That's such a beautiful, inspiring statement. Yes, we can connect into all these different aspects of nature wherever we are. Like I said, I perform ceremony. I'm guessing that you have ceremonies you perform. Mm -hmm. I made mine up and it works just fine. I actually do order my resins for ceremony from a Wicca store in Toronto because I'm guaranteed the quality of those resins. The store is called Wonderworks in Toronto their Wicca supplies are absolutely gorgeous. So I have confidence in the quality. And I like a little bit of ritual when I'm doing ceremony. I bring ritual into it. But we can connect just by opening our hearts. Our hearts have intelligence. And that is actually the key to communicating. So if any of your listeners want to try just taking a few breaths and connecting, just put your intellect on pause. Maybe say to your intellect, I need you to go to the guest room for a few minutes because I need to have a full conversation with my heart intelligence and I'll come back and pick you up in a few minutes and just go into the intelligence of your heart and be present with it and then ask to have a conversation with a tree outside your window or the land below your feet or a favorite flower or anything that's around you. If you're in an apartment, you You might be looking out on trees, you might have potted plants. There are always ways to connect to nature and then take a natural pause and see what is returned to you. It's so simple. Nature is very simple and available. 
that's what I'd recommend to someone who's had no training and would like to give it a try. Also, like I said, when I do a more formal ceremony for an animal that's transitioned, I'll put on sacred music, I'll burn frankincense and other resins, and I'll ask the animal for whom I'm doing ceremony who they want to invite. And that's so much fun, Mela. I never know what they're going to say or who they're going to want to invite. That is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Once I did a ceremony for a deer. It's a sad story. There is hunting season in Northern Ontario, and a deer was injured and not put down. And he found his way to a friend of mine, and she did the right thing and had a neighbor put the deer down. She was very torn by this experience. She asked if I would do something, and I said, I'll do ceremony. So I set up the ceremony, and I connected to the deer, just as I explained I would do. I just went into my heart center. It's like finding a place on a radio dial. Once you know where that station is, you go back to that number, and there's that station. When you find that channel in your heart, the animals will always be there. I went into that place and I said hello to the deer and I asked her who she wants to invite to the ceremony. And it's the only time an animal hasn't wanted to do that. She said, I'm okay. I've transitioned. I would like to perform the ceremony with you for all the injured deer in the forest because this is hunting season and I'm not the only one who is injured. I cried buckets over that, but also that seems to be my work. I seem to get called in for trauma, for animals of the wild, and around transition issues. So I was just very grateful as well that I was privy to this experience, that I got to actually offer this to Deer Nation. You teach people how to be nature communicators. Is that something you do in person or online? Right now, it's mostly online. I also have a group that meets once a month of my former students. Some of them are colleagues now. And we practice together once a month because a lot of it is about practice. So when I teach, I offer a series of four private lessons. This is my model because I like to find what is unique to that person, what is maybe their soul path or their interests and direction. Of course, it's all combined. Then I create a curriculum individualized to the student. And because of that, so far, almost everybody is able to get a very grounded practice in four lessons. Wow. And the lessons are an hour each. I do give homework because you got to practice, practice, practice. And then there's my monthly group for continued practice and sharing and for community. What is the most important thing that you have learned so far on your spiritual path? When an invitation arrives, say yes. Hmm. I've had moments in my life, like most people perhaps, where I have missed a really good thing because I didn't recognize something about it. I was asking the universe for something and when it arrived, maybe I didn't recognize the package in which it arrived because I was expecting something else or I was focused on something else. What I've learned is if there's an invitation, just say yes and see what happens next. 
I just acquired a puppy that's been living with me for three weeks. And the reason he's in my life is because I think he's the reincarnation of the dog I had before. Oh, wow. Yeah. And a series of very peculiar things happened that were unmistakable. Then this dog showed up and I'm like, well, it's one of those invitations. I'll just say yes. And if you are that guy, we'll continue the journey. And if you're not, I guess I'll end up with two dogs. <laughs> <laughs> My husband gets so pissed off at me because all the animals love me. I have goats. I have chickens. They love me. I have the indoor animals. And even animals that aren't my animals still prefer me. And he gets so upset. We have a chihuahua that always is connected to me. A cat just showed up in our backyard. One of our dogs outside was trying to kill it. And my little chihuahua woke me up in the middle of the night and basically told me, get up, get outside. I jumped up, I ran outside and I saved this kitten which now lives inside the house. And this cat couldn't walk on its back legs. And I was calling in the angels of healing for this kitten. And I was told somehow that the cat's name was Grim. So I was calling this cat Grim. Later on, I found out that it belonged to a neighbor and they had named it Slim, but its name is Grim now. My chihuahua saved this cat and the chihuahua itself was found on the side of the road and brought to me. I love animals and animals love me and I feel like I'm a green witch so I'm all about nature as well. I'm very much pulled to water. I've had conversations with water. I've had conversations with this big oak tree out in my yard. Before we even got and moved here, I went out in the forest and made this contract with this oak tree that we're moving here and we're going to take care of this. We'll be stewards of this land. So I'm really feeling everything that you're talking about. It's so amazing. I would love to personally learn more about how to connect more because I feel like I already have a pull towards animals and plants and nature. That's absolutely beautiful. You're already in the conversation. It would be very easy for you. I could show you how to just flick on that switch so that you can hear them more clearly because obviously you're already in deep communication. I'll have to look into that. <laughs> and I love how your stories include water and the oak tree and that you made a contract with the oak tree to be a steward of the land. That was so important to me because my dad was just bent on removing all the pine trees. And I just went through and it's mostly pines here where I live. It's called the Sand Hills. And we were building a lot of houses and things because my family all moved here. I have two sisters that live on 10 acres and my dad and mom. And then we got three acres of it. And I was walking through the woods and I found this big, beautiful oak tree and I call her Auntie Oak. Now she's out on the side of my house and I hold my full moon ceremonies and other rituals under her. And she's just like the guardian of the place. Oh, good for you. That's perfect. That's so perfect. I mentioned early on that I had these different moments of being called into nature as a communicator, but I didn't really know that's what was happening. 
and one of them was when I was able to buy my first house in Toronto and on the front property there was an ash tree and I put in my first garden it was a small property with a small bit of yard I was out weeding the garden and I didn't realize how hot it was or how hard I'd worked and I started to feel a little funny so I needed to rest but I didn't want to leave the garden and go inside and get water like I should have so I leaned against the ash tree and instead of leaning with my back or my shoulder I fell forward to the ash tree it was sort of like an embrace and my forehead leaned into the ash tree and the next thing I knew my consciousness went up through my spine like we read about people having kundalini experiences but instead of leaving out my top chakra and giving me a kundalini experience it went through my third eye and my consciousness went down through the tree into the roots and I actually was conscious of underneath that tree where all the different little trees, there were some small trees on the property too, were all in communication and interconnected. And then all of a sudden I realized where I was and what I was doing. And I said, oh my God, somebody going by is going to see me comatose leaning against a tree in a yard. And if they can't wake me up, they might call 911 and who knows what's going to happen next. So I need to get back into my body. There was an invitation to explore more of what's happening underground to those trees in their communication network, but I said, I think I better go back, and I went back up through the tree and stood up. I was forever transformed from that moment. This became the sacred tree for me that I also did a lot of my connecting with. I was aware of that tree when I did my angel meditation practice in the morning. I was aware of that tree when I went outside and came home. That gives me chills because as a hedge witch, which could be called even part of shamanism, I do a lot of journeys. And I did a journey three or four years ago with my question being, all these ideas that people say around me, they show up within months around the world. My mother will have an idea and then within a few months it's being sold online. How is this communication happening? And in this journey, I was taken to a tree and this tree showed me how the roots are connected to each other. And it showed me people talking outside of a tree, the information going into the tree and the communication going through the root system from one tree to another throughout the entire world, even under the ocean, the kelp forest. It was just an answer that came to me in my journey and it was shown to me of how our communication gets passed around through trees. And recently I saw a show about mushrooms and the mycelium and how it communicates with the tree roots about different things and how signals are sent through that as well. So I'm just like, wow, that's something I was taught as well. I was showing something closer to what you were showing in your journey when I offered a free consultation as part of a Women's Day event in a silent auction. And the woman who bought that contacted me for her free consult. And I said, well, I guess you have pets. And she said, no, I don't. She asked me if I would join her to have a consultation with a tree 
We went out at Thanksgiving and it was the strangest thing to me because she had been drumming for a tree for several years. Wow. And she'd made up a song for that tree and now she was leaving Manitoulin and traveling to British Columbia. She was going to miss the tree and miss the island and she wanted to say goodbye. And so that was my consultation. When I spoke to the tree, the tree said, when she is in British Columbia, she can connect to the island anytime she wants, and we will deliver her messages, and we will relay it through our roots. We have a system like an underground railroad where certain trees will volunteer to transmit that message to the next, to the next, to the next, all the way along. And the tree said, we offer this to Lucy because of what she's done for me. It's not available to just anyone, and I want Lucy to know that. It is because of her drumming for me. So what you've just added is another piece of that. I've been wondering, Mela, what's the rest of that story? And you have it. I would love to interview for the book I'm writing because I'm going to tell the story of Lucy. I'm going to include the song she wrote for the tree. And if I could do an interview with you about that experience, that would fill it out. You've got the missing link. Absolutely. I would love to do that. Thank you so much. (laughs) That's amazing. So you've got a podcast, correct? I did. It was a while ago. I don't do it any longer. The sessions, they are available online. It's the Language of Nature on Inspired Choices Network. Perfect. I stopped doing that to devote myself more completely to clients and students and just be available. I'm so glad you have a podcast, though, (laughs) and that we can have this conversation. It's been marvelous. Thank you so much. Yeah. And where can our listeners find you online? Tell us the website again and anything else, any social media you have. Okay. Well, I am on Facebook as Maddie Kasem, M-A-D-I-I-K-A-S-E-M. And I have a Facebook group called I Hear Gaia, which anybody can join. People share all kinds of inspiring notes from nature. And sometimes we notice themes that are happening around the world. And my website is maddie.ca, M-A-D-I-I dot C-A. It's the best way for people to reach me. Thank you so much for being here, Maddie. This has been a marvelous conversation. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Mella. And thanks to the listeners. Woo-hoo. And as always, I would love to hear what our listeners think about this episode's topics. So be sure to comment or even send me a voice message if you like. Take care. And y'all be blessed. Thank you all for listening to Bell Book and Candle. You can follow Mella on Instagram and Facebook at Bell Book Candle SC. That's Bell, B-E-L-L-E. Or become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Bell Book Candle.